When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. of you are fans of Ghostbusters. Oh, I don't mean the movie, I mean the TV show. You see, years ago, there was a TV show called Ghostbusters way before Bill Murray and Dan Aykroyd put on their ghost protection backpacks. He was also on a wildly successful TV show called Extra. He also would appear on all the variety shows at the time, doing imitations and wild accents. He would appear in movies, millions of movies, doing the most eccentric, crazy characters. And ladies and gentlemen, we have him here today. A man who also appeared in a movie that's a favorite of mine, the Aristocrats. So, ladies and gentlemen, the great Larry Storch. So, here with the star of F Troop and more importantly, the star of Ghostbusters. <laughs> the original Ghostbusters. The original Ghostbusters. <laughs> Way before uh, Bill Murray or Dan Aykroyd, the original Ghostbusters, and my co-star in The Aristocrats. This man was in The Aristocrats. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome my good friend, Larry Storch. Thank you so much. I'm very glad to be with all of you. Uh, fire away anything I can help you with. Why? Fire away. Go ahead. <laughs> Now, you were, I think, discovered by, uh, like, a comic actress, a great comic actress. Uh, oh, Lucille Ball? Yes. Oh. Lucille Ball was, is my fairy godmother. She, uh, right after the war was over, I was hitchhiking home to uh, New York in my uniform, and in those days... You had no trouble at all if you were in uniform with that thumb up in the air wanting a lift. And so happened that Phil Harris picked me up and he was driving to Palm Springs and he said, well, what do you do, kid? I said, I'm going to try to get back into show business. What do you do? Voices. Oh, yeah. Who do you do? Well, I did uh, Frank Morgan, who was very popular in those days. <laughs> and, uh, oh, Jimmy Cagney, you dirty rat. I'm going to give it to you just like, you know, and the Cary Grants and all that stuff. Well, he turned the car around, and he came back, and I said, no, 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 I want to go to New York. No, no, kid, you're coming back to Hollywood with me. <laughs> and he took me to Cyril's nightclub, and Lucille Ball was sitting in the corner, an empty nightclub, and her husband, Desi Arnaz, was going to open the next night, and Phil Harris said, do a couple of voices for Lucille. I did. She said... Get out of the sailor suit. <laughs> Be here tomorrow night at 8 o'clock. Get yourself a, a, a blue suit. And the show starts at 8. And that was the beginning of, uh, of uh, a new start after the war. And Lucille Ball did it all. And, and Phil Harris. Uh, oh, boy, are, I loved him. He was a, a regular on the Jack Benny show. Of course. And, and he sang uh, Bare Necessities. In the in Jungle Book. In Jungle. That's right. That's <laughs> in right. Jungle Book. And he was a great entertainer. And now, speaking of World War II, you were on a submarine with who? Tony Carr, submarine tender. That's a, that's a ship that can repair submarines in the middle of the ocean. And it was called the Proteus. 
And uh, I told him that I'd been in, in show business, and he said to me, I'm going to be a great star someday. I'm going to be a great actor someday. And I said, now listen, kid, do you like starving? <laughs> do you think you'd like that? Did you get used to it? And uh, why? I said, listen, it's a tough racket. And uh, if you need any help at the end of this war, you can always find me in variety. <laughs> if you need any help at all, call me. Well, don't you know, about two years later, I'm on the phone. Hey, Tony, it's me. It's Larry. Have you got anything out there for me? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and sure enough, he did. I, it, was good. it was a play that I was in called Who Was That Lady? I do Russian uh, character in this play. Once he, uh, he needs Russian <laughs> for the motion picture. So he, he gave me a job in, the, in the Hollywood. <laughs> just by, well, here I'm advising him, get out of the racket. <laughs> and you, you if made, you need any help, call me. You made how many movies with Tony Curtis? You, 40 Pounds of Trouble, Who Was That Lady, The Great Race, several. I mean, he gave you more than one uh, Oh, yeah, I didn't, need, I didn't need an agent when Tony Curtis was, was, looking, was looking out for me, you know. I love that boy, really. We should say, too, that, uh, that Gilbert and I are sitting in, in, in Larry's apartment, uh, a block from where he grew up, and he's showing us some art that Tony did, uh, a caricature that Tony did, or a, a portrait that Tony did from the set of The Great Race in 1964. Yeah, a great drawing of Larry Storch and not, by not, Tony Curtis. Yeah, and I guess not a lot of people know that, that Tony was an artist. Oh, indeed he was. Indeed he was. And uh, when, uh, when, when, we, when he wasn't fighting a war, he was, do, he was doing his artwork. <laughs> now, now, you also, uh, Larry sh- uh, gave me a tour of his apartment, and you showed me a towel by the wall. And you, Okay, first of all, tell, would you mind telling the audience uh, your age? I'm 91. You're 91? 91. And, and what is that towel for, you told me? That is on the floor by the wall that like you do every day. Oh, that's for uh, a yoga. That's uh, I. Uh, About that. I uh, I stand on my head every day for uh, for ten minutes, <laughs> and uh, the, doc- the doctor said to me, "Well, don't quit then. If you, I mean, if you, it's, it's a blessing to be in the '90s." He said, uh, "Watch it very carefully to be." Over 90 is a blessing, and I guess it must be, you know. And I'm very happy to, to, be, to still be around. <laughs> How long have you been standing on your head, Larry? Oh, it's got to be, when I first started, I was about 20, in my early 20s, and uh, I've been doing it ever since. Every day for 70-plus years, you've been standing on your head yeah. on a towel. Yeah. Incredible. Wow. I, 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 I could barely walk into your apartment. <laughs> Gilbert needed four people to carry him into the dining room. Yes, I needed help getting on the elevator. Now, also, uh, you you were friends with Buddy Hackett. Yes, and sir. and you once told Buddy Hackett that you were thinking of going to drama school. Well, Buddy Hackett said drama school. Listen, that's like trying to to learn to drive a car in your garage. <laughs> Buddy Hackett, he was one of the... I love that boy. And he used to call you. Buddy Hackett, he would call any time, day or night. Three o'clock in the morning, my phone rings. He says, hey, Sarge, you can't sleep either, huh? Sarge, <laughs> you know who this is? I said, yeah, it's Hackett. He said, how can you guess? <laughs> how could you miss it, <laughs> Did you miss him? And you grew up with Don Adams, Maxwell Smart from Get Smart. Right. You were like little kids playing together. That's right. We were we lived practically on the same block, and so we did. We grew up together. One block from here, from where we from where we're speaking from now. That's right. Seventy Seventh yeah. Street. Seventy Seventh Street. Great. Right, so. And, and later, you worked with Don Adams. And many, yes, many times. And on Get Smart. And yeah. in Tennessee Tuxedo, where you were the yeah. voice of Mr. Whoopi. 
That's right, yeah. <laughs> Mr. Oh, there was Frank Morgan was uh, Mr. Whoopi. And I remember doing uh, a show with Frank Morgan on the West Coast. And over the loudspeaker just before we said action, someone over the loudspeaker said, Mr. Morgan, your fly is open. What was that? Your fly is open, Mr. Morgan. And Frank Morgan said, oh, well, my flies, well, as the great Russian count once said, in the house of the dead, let all the windows be open. <laughs> I, I used, when I was a kid, I used to watch Tennessee Tuxedo. And what was his sidekick, the walrus, his name? Chumley. Chumley. That's right. Wow. That may have been the first time I, I was exposed to Larry Storch, before F Troop, probably Tennessee Tuxedo. Or, or Get Smart, speaking of Don Adams, when you played a villain on the show, you played the groovy guru. Yeah. And we talked about it. I took a, I took a, a Louis Primo, <laughs> and I did him for the guru, the groovy guru. And, uh, and finally, at the end of the whole thing, uh, Don Adams said, I know who you're, you're doing, Louis Prima. I said, yeah, don't let it get around, you know. <laughs> keep, keep the lid on it. <laughs> now, and, and um, yeah, Louis Prima, that was uh, decades before David Lee Roth sang Just a Gigolo. That was his Just a Gigolo, hit. everywhere I go, people know the bottom print. Paid for every dance, selling each romance, every night a heartbeat. Yeah, Louis, Louis made that song famous. <laughs> and now, F Troop, and and uh, we uh, both, uh, me and Frank, uh, grew up watching F Troop. In fact, we were singing the theme song on your balcony, yes. Larry. Full disclosure. Yeah. <laughs> The end of the Civil War was near when quite accidentally... A hero who sneezed, abruptly sneezed, retreat, and reversed into victory. Do you remember this? Sure, of course. Where Indian fights are colorful sights and nobody takes a licking. Pale face and red skin both turn chicken. Good. That's great. Wow, to think I'd be hearing you sing that. <laughs> I know, I ought to charge for that. Yeah. Now, uh, on that, you worked with Forrest Tucker. Yes. Now, if I can get into some uh, more lascivious... Oh, watch it, Larry. <laughs> okay. Forrest Tucker, I heard, was famous for something Milton Berle was famous for. They both stole jokes? No. <laughs> <laughs> Am I close? <laughs> no, but that was a great answer. <laughs> I heard they were supposed to both. Milton Berle was known to be uh, uh, quite well endowed. And? Yeah. <laughs> and I heard Forrest Tucker was the other one. No, I was never allowed in the, in the room. <laughs> So, uh, I mean, uh, I'm, I'm, I believe you if you tell me so. Now, did you know Forrest Tucker before after? No. When I auditioned, uh, Tucker took, the, took some producer aside and the direct and said, I want Larry to be in, in my partner in F Troop. And they, they said, all right, if that's what you want. And it worked out. Because on F Troop, <clears throat> watching the two of you, you worked like an old-time comedy team. Yeah. And to look at the two of you, you looked like you had been doing this for years on the road. Yeah, the timing was great. That's it, yes. it, it was like an Abbott and Costello, uh, the way you and After fought. you work with somebody like that for quite a while... You really, it's, 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 a, it's almost like a marriage of, uh, of, of, of actors, you know. And uh, we got along great, and uh, I, I, I could never have made it without him. 
really. Yeah. He was like, it was a classic comedy team because Forrest Tucker was classic straight man. Oh, yeah. And you were like this silly, uh, goofy Agarn. And, uh, and F Troop had a great cast. We sure did. Uh, the Indian chief was a fellow named Frank DeCova. Now, Frank DeCova was Italian. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, he played Wild Eagle. Yes. That's right. right. And uh, he liked to, uh, he could rehearse his lines in Italian, <laughs> which was wonderful. <laughs> and, uh, could, you, could you demonstrate him doing his lines in Italian? No, I really can't. <laughs> Um, just to just to digress a yeah, little yes. bit, uh, my favorite actor was always uh, one of them. Was I thought Marlon Brando was oh, was, was the the greatest. And when I heard the Marlon Brando doing Don Corleone, the head of the mafia, I thought, boy, that sounds like some of the guys, some of the bosses that I've worked for in nightclubs all over, the, all over the country. Wow. When I first opened up at the Copacabana, oh, I was on the bill with Frank Sinatra. And I remember when I first came in to rehearse, somebody met me at the door and I said, I'm, I'm here to rehearse uh, some, some, uh, some jokes. And he said, this guy said to me, Nick Kelly, he called himself Nick Kelly. <laughs> Nick Kelly. He said, listen, kid, the jokes will take care of themselves. Can you drive a car? <laughs> I said, yeah. You know New Jersey? I said, no, but if someone is sitting on the right-hand side, it says take a left, take a right, take... Yeah, I know New Jersey. All right, you just be ready to drive. You know, that kind of stuff. <laughs> at the, at the, in those days, the, uh, the mob ran the Copacabana. And I heard the mob was actually, all performers around that time said the mob was really nice to them. Oh, they, they were. You know, everybody thinks if your jokes don't go, they sit in the front going, you know. <laughs> but no, these guys were the nicest bosses I ever worked for in my life. Yeah, I heard that. Like it, throughout Vegas and everything, they, like Martin and Lewis, loved uh, working for the mobsters. I saw, and so did I. I, uh, I, uh, I worked for them regularly in Vegas and at the Copacabana. So uh, I really am uh, I'm in their debt. <laughs> did you ever hear weird stories about the mobsters, stuff that they kept out of the press? No, I, I can't say that I did. I, I wish I could, but I didn't. Yeah, well, you can't say it now because... They're all dead, so you can safely say Larry, did you start in, in, in burlesque houses? Is that where, where it sort of all began? <laughs> I was going, I was in high school, and there was an act in the downtown called the Radio Rogues, mm -hmm. Hells of Poppin' at the Winter Garden Theater. Someone took me backstage and said uh, to these three guys, Jimmy Hollywood, Ed Bartell and Jimmy Hollywood. Jimmy Hollywood. I love it. And Sidney Chatton. They said, listen, this kid can do all kinds of impersonations. Anyway, they were at the Paramount Theater, and I'm in high school at, at uh, Dewitt Clinton. One of them gets ill at the Paramount Theater. Can you fill in for him? I'm going to high school. Never mind high school. They'll get along without you. Can you <laughs> fill in at the Paramount Theater? Well, I took three days off. I, I don't think I even told my mother. I would go down every day to the Paramount Theater and fill in for Sidney Chatton, it was. And finally, the principal called my mother and me to, to high school. Why hasn't he been to school? And uh, my mother said, he's been at the Paramount Theater. And that was my first, first job in front of people. Not in a little mind ago, but the Paramount Theater. Well, I couldn't get over it. I thought I'd, I'd gone to heaven. And I said to my mother, oh, by the way, the principal said his record is lousy. You know, let him go. Let him go if he wants to get out, and he'll learn his craft. And, uh, and that's what I did. I, I quit high school, and I went to work uh, in, in, in showbiz. 
So the principal basically encouraged you. Yeah, he said, said let him go. He, <laughs> his record is lousy. <laughs> so he told you to drop out. Right, yeah, he encouraged it. <laughs> and going to show. And my mother was all tearful. Oh, he can't, he can't, he can't do that. <laughs> Lady, it's going to be helpful to him. And so I did. I dropped out of a high school and I went right to work. Getting back to F Troop, you and Forrest Tucker became friends after that. Yeah, yes. Oh, the, the closest of friends. He would dr drive into a, a nightclub where I was working and uh, sit in the front row and laugh as though he'd never heard that those jokes before, you know. And so, yes, we were the very best of friends. And I heard a story that a director tried directing the two of you and something Forrest Tucker said to them. He said that, uh, he goes, don't direct us. I'm too old and Larry's too stupid. <laughs> That's the nicest thing he could have said. And it's practically, and it's, and in those days, it was probably true. Well, well, Agarn's catchphrase on the show, if there was one, was, who says I'm dumb? Who says I'm dumb? Right. This is after 30 minutes. <laughs> right. Who says I'm dumb? Yes. And everybody was on F Troop, Larry. I mean, uh, Milton Berle, Harvey Corman, Phil Harris we talked about, Edward Everett Horton, Don Rickles played Bald Eagle. A any memories, specific memories of any of these oh, guys? Uh, who was that? Oh, my word. Oh, dear. Uh, Edward Everett Horton. Yeah. Oh, yes. he, he said, oh, my word. <laughs> Larry, promise me something. I said, anything. Promise me you'll never grow old. <laughs> you know? And, <laughs> and uh, one day, Edward Everett Horton, he was, he was ill, and I did uh, his voice. Uh, I did his voice, that's all I can tell you. Now, there was an actor on F Troop... And, you know, one of my favorite movies was of Mice and Men. Was and, it Joe Brooks who played Vanderbilt? Oh, I... The nearsighted... Uh, no, no, no. Oh, there I know who you're talking which, about, the old Western actor. Yes, uh, yes. He played Duffy. Yes. Is there any way anyone can look that up? Uh, was it Bob Steele? Yeah. Bob, what, Bob Steele? Yeah. Bob Steele oh, was in the original of Mice and Men with Lon Chaney Jr. I just have to tell you just this one... Do we have time for a fast one? Plenty, Absolutely. Plenty of time. <laughs> All right. It's a, a wedding. What do you, uh, a Mormon wedding in a little town called Dribble Creek, Utah. And Leroy Hotchkiss was going to marry nine women that morning that he'd had his eye on. And the preacher started the wedding and he said, Do you, Leroy Hotchkiss, take these nine women? to be your lawful wedded wives? And he said, I do. And he said, and do you girls, do you girls take Leroy Hotchkiss to be your lawful wedded husband? And they said, we do. And the preacher said, some of you girls in back better talk up if you want to get in on this. <laughs> That's a great one. I love that. Now, you told a version of the aristocrat in with an english accent do you know about the family who goes into the talent agent's office i well i did quite, quite a few english uh, a dialect i mean i like i like doing cockney myself you know i mean it's got more color and uh, i could have got more work if i'd let them all know that i can do cockney you know <laughs> and i love who was it was it did Humpty Dumpty fall off the wall, or was he pushed? You know? <laughs> so I, I love doing uh, English dialects. Where did all the dialects and the accents come from, Larry? Because my, I've, heard, I've heard you say you wouldn't have worked so much if it hadn't been for that skill. My mother ran a, a rooming house on 77th, right up the block, mm -hmm. for starving actors. She didn't plan it that way, but, the, you know, in those days you could starve. <laughs> which a lot of them did. And anyway, the phone was on the very main floor. And these actors from Germany, from France, from England, and I could hear them hear those dialects every day over the phone. And I would come into my mother and say, Mom, does he sound like this? And I'd do the dialect, whoever it was. And so I learned doing dialects with all these starring actors in, in my house, you know. 
And, uh, and that's how I got most of my jobs, because I could do the dialects. I, I mean, I remember you on TV in those days. You're a great impressionist. I, I love doing impressions, impersonations, you know, Claude Rains and all those fellows. And uh, so, uh, yes, I, can, I did. Can you do a Claude Rains from Invisible Well, Claude Rains has spoke, you know, he was more or less on that, that style. Claude Rains, I don't know. And uh, I, can't, I don't hit them right on the head anymore, <laughs> you know. But, uh, but the dialects, uh, but the English dialect always entranced me. Now, back then, it seemed like everybody on TV would do a Cary Grant imitation. <laughs> and everybody, it seemed like, like it was already accepted that Cary Grant would always go, Judy, Judy, Judy. One night I was working at the Trocadero nightclub. <laughs> and while I was on the floor, a waiter came up on the, on the floor. And he whispered in my ear, Judy Garland has just walked in. And I didn't know what to say. And I, just, I was doing Cary Grant. And I said, Judy, Judy, Judy. You know, I didn't know what else to say. So I just said, Judy. And somehow or other it caught on. And the rest is uh, history, I guess. It's just believed. It's Hollywood legend now that somehow Cary Grant said, Judy, Judy, Judy. And it's Larry Storch yeah. that said, Judy, Judy, Judy. Yes, right. <laughs> now, you, and you said that Cary Grant once said, admitted that he never said, Judy, Judy, he Judy. Said, he said, I did say, you dirty rat. He <laughs> said, but I never said, Judy, Judy, Judy. Because you dirty rats was what everybody who did a Cagney imitation said. You dirty rat. I'm going to give it to you just like you gave it to my brother. You know, that, that sort of thing. And uh, so, yeah, I got away with that. With that. Yeah, because everyone who did James Cagney would say, you dirty rat. <laughs> and he never said it. I remember no. John Biner doing a great uh, Jimmy Cagney. Remember John oh, Biner? Oh, yes, yeah. yes. Yeah. I, I worked with John Biner once. And... Um, a lot of the TV that you did in the in the '60s, Larry. A lot of stuff. I mean, you were you were in the '50s. I mean, you were you were Charlie the Drunk on Car 54. Where are you? I mean, I saw you when I was a kid. As on I Dream of Jeannie, I remember you played a chimpanzee. Oh, <laughs> well, could you talk about it? Yeah, well, well keep keep the, the lid on that. <laughs> anyway, yeah, I was going to. I did. I played the chimpanzee. I spent three days up in the, the top of a tree with a chimpanzee, <laughs> and they said, do everything that the chimp does. <laughs> imitate the And you, the, the night before I did the chimpanzee, the director put his arm around me and said, I want you to go home tonight and find the inner chimpanzee in you. <laughs> find, you know. <laughs> we should explain. It was, a, it was a chimp that was working in the NASA program, and as I recall, Jeannie brought the chimp to life. And you were the you were the human persona, the human personification <laughs> of the chimpanzee. It was a very intelligent script. <laughs> well, I I sat on that tree for three days with the chimpanzee, <laughs> and I said, "Do do it just like the chimp." Was he at least a nice chimp? Oh yeah, we got along really well. <laughs> <laughs> we will return to Gilbert Gottfried's amazing colossal podcast. But first, a word from our sponsor. Now, then, uh, like I said before, uh, way before anyone knew who Bill Murray or Dan Aykroyd was, you starred in Ghostbusters. Well, we yes, well, we only did two, two episodes of Ghostbusters, if I remember right. And you know the uh, the gorilla was Bob Burns. Yes. Now I didn't know him at all, and I didn't recognize him when he took his gorilla suit off. I didn't know who <laughs> I was talking to. It was only when he climbed into his gorilla suit that ah ha that I knew who I was talking to. You know. It was you and Forrest Tucker, right? Yes. Yeah. And you and Forrest Tucker sang the theme song to Ghostbusters. It, it, it was a pretty horrible thing. 
but to hear you and Forrest Tucker sing. Now, do you remember what the name of your uh, organization was? Spencer Tracy and, and Kong. Kong. That's right, Spencer Tracy and Kong. That's great. Yeah, I know. Uh, Bob Burns is like a massive... He, he specializes in gorilla suits. He always... And he's a massive collector of old horror. Before Rick Baker became the master yes, of the gorilla yes, suit, it was Bob yeah. Burns. <laughs> I see. I didn't realize that. Larry, you did a lot of variety shows, too. and You did Sonny and Cher and Laughing and Hollywood Squares and Playboy After Dark and, and Hollywood Palace and The Tonight Show and The Sullivan Show and The Steve Allen Show. Any, any particular memories about Steve Allen or, or Sullivan or Jackie Gleason? Jackie Gleason? I, Jackie Gleason gave me the show in 1950, and he said, Larry, I'm going to leave Art Carney with you. He said, we're on live. Thousands of people are watching, not millions. In those days, we couldn't get used to the idea that millions... Well, thousands of people are watching. We're on live, so just don't say, mm-hmm. you know, <laughs> <laughs> we're on live. And uh, anyway, they, he said that, you know, they asked me what did I think was good in bed. I don't know what's good in bed. To me, when the three of us don't fight, that's good in bed. What was Gleason like, Larry? Because we've well, heard he, conflicting stories from different people. Well, he was very nice to me. Mm-hmm. He was, and he had a, you know, the, he had a great memory. He, but someone told me that he rehearsed by himself his lines in the, all by himself, so that he would he, he would really get the reputation of of having a, a very sharp memory. But he, he that's the way he did it. Mm-hmm. Now, now uh, was Jackie Gleason a good boss to have? I only I only met him just that that one uh, one or two days, but yes, he was very nice to me. Yes. Now, oh, I now with speaking, getting back to Bob Burns, uh, Larry Storch and Bob Burns will be doing Son of Monster Palooza. Wow! In September, in the Rubber Room. We've what? been handed a plug. Yes. <laughs> You're working with and Bob Burns again. A plug that you don't know about. <laughs> a plug that's news to Larry. The, yes. The only person who doesn't know about this is Larry. who's <laughs> So you're going to have to pick out a shirt to wear. <laughs> okay. I, it, was, it was just happened to me. <laughs> okay. Now, you had a great John Barrymore story. John Barrymore was in court, and uh, they said, hand on the Bible, your name, occupation. And John Barrymore said, my name is John Barrymore. My occupation, I'm the world's greatest actor. After the trial is over, he went out, in, uh, he left the courtroom, and his sister and brother, Ethel and Lionel, jumped on him, and they said to him, how dare you say a thing like that, that I'm the world? How could you say a thing like that? And John Barrymore said, remember, Ethel, I was under oath. It <laughs> <laughs> was great. Now, you must do an Ed Sullivan Imitation. On our show, on our show tonight, let's really hear it out there for Will Jordan, who's going to do a great impersonation of me. And anyway, I was doing this in a show, and I, I completely forgot that I was in a show. I was breaking the fourth wall. The audience started to laugh, and I thought I was in a nightclub again. But here I was on stage, and the audience was laughing, and I... I kind of turned away and yeah, broke the fourth wall. You know, you're not supposed to look like you're in a nightclub if you're <laughs> on stage. And uh, Annie Mira, God bless her, she gave me hell for it. You know, I, I deserved it, too, and I never did it again. Do you remember the name of the show? 
uh, it was called After Play. And After it was, Play. Yeah, and it was in New Brunswick, in New Jersey. You did a lot of theater. You did Sly Fox with Richard Dreyfuss. You did, yes. you did and you were, uh, Gilbert and I are fans of Arsenic and Old Lace. And of course, Karloff was in the original. Oh, Arsenic and Old Lace. And uh, you play, did you play Professor Einstein, Dr. Einstein? I was Einstein in that one, yes. To Abe Vigoda's... Abe Vigoda. Was he your, uh, your sidekick? Oh, God. Was he Jonathan, the, uh, the, uh, the Karloff character? No, who was Dita? Oh, I can't remember. But no, I Gene can't. Stapleton was in the show? Gene Stapleton was in the show, quite right. And uh, I had a wonderful time on that one. What was the name of it again? Arsenic uh, and Arsenic Old Lace. And I, I yeah. just got inside information <laughs> <laughs> that it was Jonathan Frid. Jonathan Frid. From wow. Dark Shadows. Who just passed Bar- away. Uh, yeah, Barnabas That's and right. Dark Shadows. Right. Another favorite of mine <laughs> when I was a kid. Because it was a soap opera with monsters. <laughs> so you played the Peter Lorre part. The, 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 the Peter Lorre played the part in the film with Cary Grant. Right, That right. Frank Capra directed, and you were in the stage version. Right, You played right. Dr. Einstein. Did you do a special voice for that, do you remember? It was German, but I don't remember the exact uh, voice, uh, uh, tone. But it was a German accent that I used, and... Uh, can I tell you a fast joke? Of course. Oh, sure. <laughs> this, this, uh, tell us a slow joke. Yeah, okay. I don't have to tell a joke. Did you hear those laughs? <laughs> yeah, let's hear it. Yes, please. Oh, it was, a, it was a director in Hollywood, a very famous director, a very wealthy director, but he had one bad habit. He was a kleptomaniac. And as wealthy as he was, he couldn't refrain from... Uh, he was a, a victim of it. And so they brought uh, a, a professor from... Uh, Dr. Egelhoff from Berlin to help uh, cure this uh, director of uh, kleptomania. And after uh, two weeks of intense uh, uh, treatment of kleptomania, this German professor, Dr. Egelhoff, says, you are absolutely cured of kleptomania. You can be sure uh, that you will never again fall victim to kleptomania. <laughs> oh, by the way, if you feel a relapse coming on, pick up a toaster for me. <laughs> what are some of your favorite jokes? Do you remember some... Oh, that might be too long to tell. <laughs> well, there's a, there's a great one. I saw uh, Larry recently. Uh, we should say that a mutual friend of Gilbert's and mine is Drew Friedman, who, uh, who did the wonderful portrait of you at the Society of Illustrators. And we saw you there, and you told a joke. If, uh, if I can uh, get you to tell it again, it was the joke about the Arab and the Israeli guy oh, on the plane. All right. Can we, can we do this? <laughs> sure. All right. It's a, a transatlantic flight to the troubled Middle East, to the explosive Middle East, and seated on the plane next to each other, an Arab and an Israeli. It's very cold, very cold. And they wrap blankets around themselves. They take their shoes off, and they're flying. And at one point, the Arab turns to the Israeli, and he said, would you, my friend, from Israel, find the goodness in your heart to go to the back of the plane and bring for me back, please, an orange juice since you are seated on the aisle. The Jewish guy says, my Arab friend, it will be by me my pleasure. I shall be back in two shakes, have a lamb's tail. (laughs) Goes to the back of the plane, comes back with the juice. The Arab drinks down all the juice and then he says to the Jewish guy, while you are gone, I spit in your shoe. The Jewish guy says, <laughs> spit in the shoe, piss in the juice. When will it end? <laughs> it's a wonderful joke. Larry, you do all kinds of dialects and all kinds of accents. If we threw some at you, just generally, if we said, in, you know, uh, Indian, like the character you did in SOB, 
or Indian. Well, I, I do it, two Indians, all right. General George Armstrong Custer at the banks of the little Bighorn River the night before the great Indian battle. And on the other side of the little Bighorn River were the great, was a hundred thousands of Indians and the great chiefs, Spitting Bull, Geronimo, Crazy Horse, and of course the the Indian drums. You boom, 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 boom. And George Armstrong Custer said, drums, drums. I don't like the sound of those drums. And from across the river, an Indian hollered back, he ain't no regular drummer. (laughs) 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 Terrific. Any joke with an Italian accent? An Italian accent. No, I was I was always afraid of the, to tell an Italian joke because when I work for the mafia, you never know, you know, I was gonna. So uh, if I think of one along the way, I'll, I'll okay. pop it in. How about Swedish? You do a Swedish accent or a, or a uh, Swiss? Well, I, I was doing sweet. I can do that, but I don't have any... That wasn't a very popular dialect uh, with, with Americans, you know. Right, right. <laughs> oh, did I do a Spanish joke for you? No, no, no please. <laughs> this, this, this was... <laughs> this was... A, 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 it was... <laughs> a young person... It is, this is in Spanish Harlem... A young person on Monday morning takes his two fingers and he puts them in his eyes and he says, Mama, I don't want to go away, Mama. I don't want to go to school today, Mama. I don't like the kids and I don't like the teachers. I don't want to go to school today, Mama. And his mama says, Jesus, don't you give me that crap. You're going to school today. You're 31 years old and you're the principal. (laughs) Now, any other jokes with a Jewish accent? With a Jewish accent. One time at a very elegant party, (laughs) at a very elegant party on the east side, uh, while the party is uh, going on, Mozart... Uh, is being played in the background. And as the party ends and Mozart dines, and this one woman says, Mozart, I know that boy. I know that boy. I see him every morning. He takes the number five bus to the beach. As they're driving home that night, the husband can contain himself no longer. And he says, you had to, you had to open up your damn fresh. That means mouth. <laughs> you had to open your damn fresh. Let everybody know how stupid you are. You know the number five bus doesn't go to the beach. <laughs> Beautiful. Do you, have, <laughs> do you have any with a French accent? <laughs> Not offhand. No. <laughs> if, if I think of something in French, I will. Uh, and uh, any other with a Jewish accent? No, I, I'll probably think of something along the way, but but just keep going. <laughs> Larry, l- let me ask you about music. You you've been playing the saxophone for years. I love to blow saxophone. Yes. And you still play? I go down to the park with the sax on uh, every morning when it's. When weather was right, and I blow for a couple of hours down in the park. So you just walk to like what, like Riverside Drive? Or? Yes, quite right. And, and and you just take your sax and you sit you, on a park bench and blow. You said that when you play the saxophone, then you're playing with the gods. You're hobnobbing. They say you're hobnobbing with the gods when you uh, when, when you 
any kind of music at all, as long as you're in music. You're, uh, you're hobnobbing with the gods. What do you remember about the great race, Tony, which we talked about before? With Jack Lemmon. Where you played Texas Jack. We were talking about it as one of a film that I'm really, that I've always been in love with. You, you were, it was uh, Tony Curtis and Jack Lemmon and Keenan Wynn. And you, you had this wonderful short scene as Texas Jack, this tough guy that comes in and just turns the saloon upside down. Give me some fighting room. Give me some fighting room. That's and it. every time he says, give me some, somebody clips him in the jaw and knocks him flat. Right. But uh, <laughs> I did that about eight or nine times. Give me some fighting room. They gave me fighting room. And I kept kept giving. Uh, this is a, a, a visual joke. You can't. You can't. <laughs> 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 but shoot, Dorothy Provine was your. If you guys haven't seen The Great Race, it's uh, we recommend it. Blake Edwards directed it, and it's a wonderful comedy. Yeah. It's it's it's, a, it's an homage to to uh, old movies. I suppose so. Yeah. yeah, and and that's one that Tony Curtis uh, called you in for. Tony was he was a he was like a brother. We were like brothers. He called me on on every. He, someone said you don't need an agent as long as Tony Curtis is your friend, and that's the way it was with uh, with Tony Curtis. Can you do a Tony Curtis imitation? No, <laughs> no, I'm afraid you got me there. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, first, I mean, this this amazes me because here's Larry, ninety one, and I and he said, "Can we do it this date?" Because I have a plug. <laughs> and I thought that was great. Okay. On Thursday, June 26th at 6 p.m., Larry's friends are throwing a comedy show fundraiser at Stand Up New York to pay for Larry's star on the Palm Springs Walk of Stars. For tickets, visit StandUpNewYork.com or to donate, visit GoFundMe.com slash Storch Storch Star Storch's Star GoFundMe.com slash Storch's Star So you're going to get a star on the Walk of Fame in Palm Springs. Well, I'm very honored because I'll be, I'll be in there with some great company. So uh, it is a great honor, and I, uh, and I appreciate it. Didn't you receive another uh, honor recently, Larry? You were named the, the, the mayor of Fort Lee, honorary <coughs> oh, mayor of yes. Fort Lee, New Jersey. I was, um, yeah, I was the mayor. For, and you know, while I was in office... Yeah. <laughs> While I was in office, there was no crime. No crime at all. Nothing. No crime. And it, it opens up a new door for me. Is it possible that uh, politics, I could be a great politician, you know? And I, I always think of that, of, the, of Mount Rushmore, with all of the great statesmen. Who is it? Lincoln... Jefferson, Woodrow Wilson. But I also think, just remember, before these, these guys were great statesmen, just remember, baby, they were all politicians. <laughs> you understand what I'm talking about? They were all politicians, baby. <laughs> I never forgot that. Do you have any other jokes? <laughs> I love your jokes. You want to keep talking, they'll come back to me. <laughs> <laughs> All right, do the Moses one, coming down. Moses coming down from the mountain with the commandments under his arm. And a million Jewish people meet him. Mo, Mo, you talk with him. Mo, what was it like? Mo, do you remember? Blah, 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 blah. And Moses said to everybody, shut up, all of you. He wanted 13, I got him down to 10. <laughs> Oh, yes. Pussy Green. 
Oh, that's true. Someone that's, has yelled from the... Uh, that's a long, uh, quite a... From the peanut gallery. It's okay. We got faith. Yeah. Well, <laughs> her name was Pussy Green, do you hear? Red hair. Green eyes. The soul of a monkey. Sex incarnate. And she went through every town, destroying all of those. And finally, one a guy in church, Father, forgive me, Father, it wasn't my fault. It was Pussy Green, Father. Pussy Green, she, I'll, I'll burn in hell. I'll burn in hell, I know I will, Father. I'll burn in hell. At that minute, the church doors open up. It can only be Pussy Green. Lipstick, uh, uh, cigarette dangling from her lips. Red hair and green eyes. A generous contribution into the poor box and sashayed down the aisle to the very front row where she sat down. Legs akimbo. <laughs> the old priest was preaching and suddenly he saw it. He, oh. he stared and stared. And finally he called a young priest over and he said, there, is that pussy green? <laughs> and the young priest said, no, your eminence, it's just a reflection from the stained glass window. <laughs> and what was the Jesus one? <laughs> Mother Mary. Why does she always look so upset? Oh, Christ, Christ walking through the desert comes upon the mob about to stone Mary Magdalene to death. Mary Magdalene, the Jezebel of the Bible. And Christ raised one arm and said, Let him among you who is without sin cast the first stone. And with that, a little gray-haired old lady in back of Christ picked up rocks and started throwing them like a machine gun. Christ turned around, saw her, and hollered, Ma! <laughs> uh, this has been I, I'm exhausted from laughing I, I am the, Oh, oh. <laughs> two, two cannibals Two cannibals Two cannibals In the jungles of Bujamburu Two cannibals in the jungles of Buju, Bujamburu, both having lunch. <laughs> and one cannibal said to the other, I hurt my mother-in-law. I can't stand that woman. I hurt her mother-in-law. She make me sick to my stomach. And the other cannibal said, well, screw her, just eat the noodles. <laughs> Do you remember any other of Larry's? <laughs> because I love these. <laughs> we have this, the Larry Storage fan club here. <laughs> Sending jokes in from the, from the gallery. Well, okay. This has been Gilbert Gottfried's Amazing Colossal Podcast with my co-host, Frank Santo Padre, with the great Larry Storch, star of F Troop, the original Ghostbusters, and most importantly, my co-star in The Aristocrats. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you again. Thank you. It was a treat, Larry. Thanks for doing it. <laughs>